like that? Because see, I preach through me to me throughout the week about it, and then then I get to give it to you. So hopefully we're gonna we're gonna go through that this morning. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you again for this day, and I thank you for your blessing. I thank you, Lord, for your anointing, Lord, that we feel this morning, Lord, in your presence. And we're thankful that you're here today. And I ask, Lord, your anointing upon your servant this morning as I minister the words that you've given unto me. And I pray, Lord, that you'd anoint the hearts of the people, Lord, that they may receive your message this morning. In Jesus' precious holy name we pray this, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Now, we've been in a series for the last three weeks on going to the other side. And we're going to be in Mark, the fourth chapter, again this morning. So if you'll turn there. And we've been talking about going to the other side. In the last three weeks, we were talking about that Jesus wants us on the other side. Jesus wants us there. And as soon as we get start decide to go on the other side, then sometimes things happen. And that's what happened to the disciples when they got in the boat and went to the other side. They encountered a storm. And then it seemed like in the midst of that storm, Jesus decided to take a nap. And we talked about that two weeks ago, about the sleeping Jesus. And sometimes we, when we're in a storm, that we think he's asleep. And we wonder where he's at. And last week we found out or, or we talked about that sometimes we don't even remember to call on the name of Jesus or even try to talk to Jesus until we start trying to lighten the ship. And then when we're trying to throw things out, that's when they found Jesus asleep. And then they got really irritated about that because he was asleep. Don't you just hate it when you're going through a problem and everybody doesn't seem to care? You want everybody involved in your problem. You want everybody to know I've got a problem today. Don't you just hate it? You go in and you, and you talk to people, and there's some people that you don't know, you don't want to ask, how are you doing? Because they'll tell you. <laughs> and then you've got to sit there or stand there for five minutes while they tell you how bad their life is. Well, that's kind of what happened to the disciples. They were going through this storm, and they didn't like it because Jesus didn't seem to care. And they asked him that, don't you care? Of course, we know that Jesus does care. We may think Jesus is asleep in the boat, but he's not. He's still there. And that's what the disciples found out. And uh, so that's where we're going to pick it up from today. And Mark, the fourth chapter, verse 35. I know you're going to... See, the only nice thing about doing series is on the same verses is that by the time you get through them, if you don't know anything else through the Bible, you're going to know these verses. <laughs> we went through that one uh, thing about these signs shall follow those that believe. About six weeks, I think, I was on that one verse. <laughs> so... But anyway, we're going to be through these, and it's an exciting time because we can learn a lot through these verses to reflect upon our own life. And so starting in verse 35, that, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation in case it doesn't quite match up with what yours is. Uh, it says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were... Also, other boats with him. A furious squail came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. This morning I want to talk about that, Who is this? 
That's kind of an interesting question that they asked in the middle of their storm. And it was kind of uh, a different situation in, in the storm that they were in. Now, verse 39 says, He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely still, completely calm. Now, this wasn't just an average little storm. Now, we've got to remember that the disciples were experienced fishermen. They had been through storms on, on the Sea of Galilee before. So this wasn't something new to them. But this evidently was one of those things, you know, we had a movie here a while back called The Perfect Storm. I don't know whether you've seen that or not. But it seemed like everything in that storm, every, the weather conditions, the, the wind, all whatever it was, everything was in a perfect alignment for something to happen. And that's what happened to the disciples during this, this storm. It, it was a perfect situation. Everything fell in line. The winds came up at the right time. The temperature was right. And all these kind of, kind of weather issues that I don't really understand. But it was basically a perfect storm. And this was something, I don't know whether they've ever, evidently they'd never seen anything this bad before because they thought they was going to die. And if they'd been in a storm, had that before, they would have known how to handle it and it wouldn't have been a big situation to them. But evidently this was one of those perfect storms that they'd never experienced before and they probably didn't want to experience again. Have you been through those kind of storms? The perfect storm. It seems like some days, like Dwayne had one of those last yesterday, I guess. <laughs> Everything that could go wrong went wrong. He thought he was going to go up there and he thought he was going to work on his wall and all of a sudden this was wrong and this didn't fit together and then he tripped and fell on some bricks and cut his arm and all these other kind of things happened. So that was a big storm for Dwayne yesterday. <laughs> I'm glad you survived the storm. <laughs> but we have those days. We have those situations in our life when everything is going to line up perfectly and not for the good things. You know, you don't mind it if you're late for work and all the lights are green. Don't you just love those days? You can pick up a lot of time if that happens. Of course, here we only got two signal lights. We don't have a big problem with that. But <laughs> I used to have that problem sometimes. You know, you'd have 20 signal lights you had to go through. And on a perfect day, all of them would be green. But on a perfectly bad day or a perfect stormy day when you're late and you got up and you know you're going to be late, all of them are red. Well, that's kind of the situation the disciples were in. Everything that could happen went, went wrong that day. And one of the biggest things that went wrong is Jesus was asleep. <laughs> and they had nowhere to go to and, and nothing to do but complain. And when they don't, don't you care? So but we learned that Jesus does care. And just because Jesus, see, I'm glad Jesus was asleep. Because it shows us that when we're in through, in going through storms in our life, Jesus isn't upset about it. Isn't that nice to know? I'm glad that when I'm going through a storm, Jesus isn't walking back and forth in my heart and saying, oh no, what are we going to do? Aren't you glad he doesn't have to do that? See, he's calm. He's over in the corner. See, in order to be, and I can't imagine anybody sleeping in a storm. I can't imagine that. But that's what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us, though the waves are blowing around us, and though everything is going wrong, he wants us to be calm. And you know, if you just sit there and you're going through something, and you just back up a minute, take a step back, and just calm down you know they used to tell you count to ten and when you're um, before you you know do something well you know you go like this sometimes one ten and then hit them <laughs> you know because that's the way you handle some of these people's situations but see Jesus was calm and that's what he wants us to be in the storm he wants us to be calm and not get all excited and not get all wring our hands and, oh what are we going to do what are we going to do what are we going to do that's what God wants us to do 
But anyway, here we are. So these experienced fishermen, they were in a, a, a quandary. And verse 40 says, he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now this was after the storm was over. He didn't say, why were you afraid, meaning past tense. He says, why are you afraid? Why are you still afraid? What is going on here? You still don't have any faith? Now, I think about that, and I'm wondering, you know, the Jewish people, now they were very familiar with the Old Testament. And they knew in the Old Testament, in the Genesis, the first chapter, in the first verse, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the world was out, form, and void. Well, then it goes down a little further and it says, and he spoke and said, let there be light. And there was light. Well, I think that's kind of what happened here. See, they knew that only Jesus or a God could have anything to do to talk to the elements and make something happen. Only God could do that. So all of a sudden, here is Jesus standing there, and I'm assuming he's standing up. He's probably going like this, standing up if you're in a storm. You know, feel like you're on one of those, what is it, one of the trampoline or something? You're just trying to, trying to stay erect or something? And I, he's standing there, and he looks out, and he says, be still, be quiet. And all of a sudden, man, they realize, what is going on here? And all of a sudden, they see not only Jesus, they remember that only God can speak to the elements and have them obey. So at this moment in time, they realize this isn't Jesus. This isn't just a man. We've seen him heal the sick. We've seen him forgive sins. We may have even seen him raise the dead. But man, this is totally different. This is something that only God can do. And all of a sudden, the disciples realized, who is this? This is a powerful God. And so they were, they were stunned, they were shocked, and I think this was the first realization that they had, that this wasn't just an ordinary man, this wasn't just a rabbi who was starting a new doctrine, this wasn't someone that was just going to you know, be, be a good leader for us, this was actually God. And so when that realization hit their hearts, man, they were terrified. And they were more afraid now than they had been in the storm. Now we have to catch this, I know that we... we see people and they say all, all the time, oh man, if I stood before God, I'd be, be able to tell him a thing or two, or I'd do this, or I'd do that. Have you heard met people like that? Maybe you said that a time or two in your life. Well, I'm telling you, when you come face to face with the almighty, all-powerful God, you're going to do the same thing the disciples did. Who is this? I am scared to death. I'm terrified. Because they finally realized that this is God. This is different. This is totally different than anything that we've ever experienced before with him. And I believe that that's why they were so afraid. And they were, in verse 41 says, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves believe, uh, obey him? Now we have to understand that. And we have to really realize who Jesus is. He isn't just a good teacher. He isn't just someone that can heal sick and do all these other kind of things that he did. He is God. And we need to understand that. And as God, he's powerful. So speaking to the winds and the waves are nothing to him. They're, they're words. He just has to speak the words because there's life in his words. Wow. Man, the realization that th at that moment that they felt, man, they, you know, they were probably looking for a cr something to crawl into because every time we come in the presence of God, we're going to feel inadequate. We're going to be afraid. And the only reason we as Christians don't need to be afraid is because of Jesus. He covers us. He protects us. So we don't have to worry about coming in the presence of God. But these, these disciples, they had a rude awakening. 
they had to realize, hey, man, there's something different here. And as Jewish boys growing up, they would have had the bar mitzvah, so they memorized. They had Genesis memorized, so they knew all these scriptures. And when that happened, at that moment, they knew that this was God. This was not just a, a good teacher. Now, I'm reminded of a story, and I'm just going to read it because it's, it's better reading it than it is trying to recount it because I'll miss some of the fun things of it. It says, nine-year-old Danny came bursting out of Sunday school like a wild stallion. His eyes were darting in every direction as he tried to locate either mom or dad. Finally, after a quick search, he grabbed his daddy by the leg and yelled, Man, that story of Moses and all those people crossing the Red Sea was great. His father looked down, smiled, and asked the boy to tell him about it. Well, the Israelites got out of Egypt, but Pharaoh and his army chased after them. So the Jews ran as fast as they could until they got to the Red Sea. The Egyptian army was getting closer and closer, so Moses got on his walkie-talkie and told the Israeli Air Force to bomb the Egyptians. While that was happening, the Israel Navy built up a pontoon bridge so that people could cross over them. They made it. By now, old dad was shocked, to say the least. Is that the way they taught you in the story? Well, no, not exactly, Danny admitted. But if I told you the way that they told it, to us, you'd never believe it, Dad. <laughs> Isn't that the way it is sometimes with us? We try to add things because, you know, it's so extraordinary. We have a hard time believing these things. I don't have a problem with the Red Sea crossing. I believe that it happened just the way the Bible said it did. But if we look at it in our, in our time, in our era, man, I'll tell you, that's an unbelievable story, isn't it? And I heard another one that they said, oh, it wasn't the Red Sea they crossed, it was the Reed Sea, and it was only a couple feet deep, so it wasn't a problem for them to get across. And one of the little old ladies started having a hallelujah fit, and he says, what's the matter with you? I just told you that that wasn't a true story, that it was the Reed Sea. He says, oh, no, 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 you don't get it. To have it your way is a bigger miracle. To drown the whole Egyptian army in two feet of water? Wow, what a miracle! <laughs> See? Because it doesn't matter what people say about it. Because we have the realization that God can do anything. And we need to know that. We need to realize how powerful God is. Because when we realize how powerful God is and how big he is, then this problem that we're going through doesn't seem so bad, does it? You know, if you, if you owe somebody a dollar, and you have a, have a father that has $10 billion, that dollar doesn't seem like a very big deal, does it? It's to be nothing to God. One dollar, yeah, no big deal. And that's what we need to understand as Christians, that God is powerful and he can do anything. And so if we're in that storm and we're sitting there, we're rocking back and forth on that, on that boat, then we have a God in the boat that's powerful. And we need to get, get that in our minds, how powerful he is, and realize how powerful he is. On Christmas Day in 1968, the Apollo 8 uh, astronauts now, that was when they went around the, ran around the move. I know that well, this kind of stuff isn't as, as big of a deal today as it was in 1968. And I remember this because I was around then. If you wasn't around then, then you wouldn't know. But it was, a, I think it was the second uh, landing or whatever it was. Anyway, they went out and they went around the back side of the moon. They got to see the dark side of the moon for the first time. Wow, how exciting that was for our scientists. What a feat that for, for our Outer space exploration. What a, what a accomplishment. And so they went out there and went around the moon. Because if you don't know, the moon, we only see one side of the moon that goes around us. Because it's always this direction. Always. No matter what, that's all we see. So they wanted to see what the other side looked like. 
So anyway, they go around there and they go around the moon and go around there. And just as they come around the, the dark side of the moon and they started looking toward the earth, the picture of earth rose on the horizon. And they got to see the first time they got to see the earth like that after going out of darkness and they come through there. And here they seen this blue and white globe that was just in the blackness of space. And it was just so gorgeous to them. It was just so awe-inspiring to them. That man, they, they just were just about speechless, speechless. And they didn't say all the uh, fancy poetry or they didn't think of anything wonderful that they'd said to their technology. They didn't say all these things that, that they'd probably say today because they would have rehearsed it so this wouldn't happen. But the first thing they said was, in the beginning, God. And that's exciting because they could not deny it the minute they got a first glimpse of the earth like that. They said, in the beginning, God. And they were just awestruck. These very educated men, they couldn't say anything else but in the beginning, God. See, that was when America believed in God. That was when America served God, basically. So I, I miss those days. And I know those days can return. But that's the reality. See, God, in the beginning, God created everything that we see. And the only nice thing about space exploration is the fact that we can look at these things now and see all these wonders that God has created. And he created them thousands of years ago. And now we get to enjoy them and we get to see them. But I'm looking forward to the time when I get to be a time a space traveler, aren't you? When these bodies aren't hindered anymore by time and space and we can go, I want to go visit Saturn. There I am. I want to go here. I want to go there. I want to go to this galaxy or that galaxy. Man, it's going to be fun traveling. You know, you like traveling as long as you don't. It's, it's the getting there that's hard, isn't it? You know, I loved going to Israel, but I didn't like the 22 hours or whatever it was it took us to get there. That's a terrible trip, just sitting there in a cramped up seat. and You know, it's not fun. But, back and then, but then we're just going to go, I'm going to go to Saturn. We're going to be there. Wow, I want to travel like that. I'm excited about that. So anyway, God is all powerful. One thing, another thing about God is he is also personal. Mark 35 and 36, it says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. See, now Jesus knew that they couldn't live their lives in the crowd and all the, the grandeur, because he was very popular when he did miracles. He's very popular. And everybody wanted to get a piece of Jesus. Well, he wanted to be alone with his disciples. That's why he wanted to get him in the boat and go to the other side. He wanted to spend some time alone with his disciples. He wanted to build that relationship because he wanted to be personal. He wanted to have a personal relationship with every one of his disciples. That's why he wanted them to go to the other side. Wasn't just so, well, because well, so, we're going to get in a storm here. That's why I want you there. I want you to get, get some storm training. Now, if you're in the Navy, you have to have some storm training. That isn't why they told him to get in the boat. He told him to get in the boat to go to the other side so he could spend time with them. And, you know, it's a lot easier and nicer to go through a storm with people, isn't it? God wants us to have a personal relationship with us. And that's his whole reason for doing that. <clears throat> the University of, <clears throat> excuse me, of Iowa's art Center has an unusual um, experiment or something that they do. And what he does is, the, the art teacher, he brings this whole bag of lemons to class. And he has his, his students to get in and, there and grab a lemon. Everyone grab, grab a lemon. And after everybody had a lemon, he says, I want you to keep this lemon with you until our next class. And he says, I want you to look at it. I want you to hold it. I want you to sleep with it. I want you to do everything with that lemon. Don't let it out of your sight. Okay. Now, if you're familiar with college, you don't have, it isn't a, uh, 
everyday class. So it's usually at least, two, if it, it's either Tuesday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday classes or Tuesday and Thursday classes. That's usually the way they work in college. So anyway, so there was at least two days that had passed before they come back to class. And then they come into class and he gathered up the lemons and put them in this big bag. And uh, I don't know, I imagine he identified the lemon, the lemon somehow so they would know. But anyway, he had them all put their lemons back in the bag. And he says, now I want you to find your lemon. Now, they weren't allowed to look and grab one. They had to feel around and find their lemon and whatever. And almost every one of them found their lemon. Why? Because they got to know the lemon. They got to know everything about that lemon. They'd looked at it for two days. They'd seen everything about it. And they know how it felt in their hands and those kind of things. So they knew that lemon. And well, God wants to know us. And he wants us to know him. See, when we know God, it's easier to serve him. When you don't know somebody, it's hard to have allegiance to somebody or those kind of things. That's the reality of it. And see, we can know a lot about God, but that isn't going to change us. A lot of people know about God. But God doesn't want us just to know about him. He wants us to know him. And the only way to do that is by having a personal relationship with him. He told us to get in the boat and go to the other side, but he's coming with us. And he wants to spend some alone time with us. He wants to spend personal time with us. And he wants a relationship with us greater than any relationship that we know on this earth. Greater than the relationship we have among us as Christians. Greater than the relationship you have with your family. Greater than the relationship that you have with your spouse. And that's the most intimate relationship that anyone can have. But the relationship God wants to have with us is greater than that. And I'm thankful for that because he didn't die just to save us. He died so we could know him. And I'm thankful for that because he wanted to know me. I don't understand why he wants to know me. That, to me, is a, a miracle that he wants to know me. What they're so special about me that God wants to know me. I don't know, but he wants to know me. And he wants me to know him. And he wants us to have a relationship. And when you have a relationship, it's easier to live that relationship. And that's why it's so important to him. The next thing we learn is that God, he's a God who is patient. Uh, verses 37 through 39 says, A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we are drowned? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the winds died down, and it was completely calm. Now these guys, they had blown it. Hadn't they blown it? They had Jesus in the boat with them. And yet they still didn't have any faith. They still didn't believe that Jesus could take care of them. And so they blew it. And yet God didn't, or Jesus didn't hold it against them. He didn't say, well, guys, because you didn't have any faith, you didn't trust me, and you woke me up when I was asleep. I was having a good nap, and I was having a good dream. You woke me up, so I'm, I'm a little upset at you because you did that, so I'm not going to help you. He didn't do that. See, God's patient with us. He knows we're just human, and he knows we have this nature within us. We talked about that nature in Sunday school this morning, and it was very informative to us, you know, for us to know that we have this nature, and sometimes it's really hard to battle against that nature. So Jesus didn't condemn them and say, hey, guys, you blew it. That's too bad. I'm going to get out of this boat, and I'm just going to walk over to shore and just leave you here. And we know he could do that because there's a story in the Bible or that he did that. He was walking along the water. Or he could have said, oh, let's just calm this area that I'm going to walk through. He could have done that too. But see, he loved them and he was patient enough to understand that they really didn't understand who he was. And he knew that they needed to understand who he was. Because he knew that if they understood who he was, 
then the problems of life wouldn't be so baffling to him. So that's why he said, peace be still, so they could get a first-hand look at who he was. And they found out he isn't just a man, he's God. And there's nothing that God can do, so we don't need to worry about it. But he didn't condemn it. He went ahead and, and he rescued him, and he does the same thing for us. He doesn't hold it against us when we fail. He doesn't abandon us. He forgives us, and, we just, and it goes on because that's his will for our life. He wants to keep that relationship going. But we have to come to him, of course, and confess our sins when we do fail. So anyway, and I'm so glad, you know, Psalms 103, verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You know, when we come to Christ, he removes our sin. And this verse says, for as far as the east is from the west. Now, if you know anything about a compass, you can go east forever and never run out of east. But if you go north, you'll run out of north and start going south. Because you'll go up to the, the top or the top of where north is, and then all of a sudden you're not going north anymore. So if you go, if you went that way. But he said from the east to the west. In other words, it's so far away you can never see it again. And I'm glad of that. From the east to the west. I can go east forever and never run into, run into west. Because where you go, it's east. Or this way, this way, this way, this way, <laughs> this way, go this way. <laughs> anyway, get my directions here. So anyway, I'm glad he said that. But in uh, 1 John 1, 9 says, We confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I'm glad he did that. I'm glad he doesn't hold it against me. I'm glad that no matter how many times I fail, no matter how many times I mess up, that I can come to him because he's patient. He doesn't give up on me. Sometimes we give up on God, but he never gives up on me. He's patient because he loves me and he loves you. And we need to understand that. And he's a God, also a God who provides. Now the disciples in this storm, they didn't need a bigger boat. No matter how big that boat would have been that they was in, it would still bend in the storm and it would still have a problem. What they needed was the storm calmed. So he provided what they needed. And in our lives, he'll do the same thing. Sometimes in our life, we may need a bigger boat. And then he'll provide a bigger boat. But maybe it's just going through the storm, and he'll provide us with the lessons we need to learn, the experience we need to learn in the storm. But there's going to be times when he's going to step forth on the bow of that storm and say, peace be still, because that's what we need. When I'm in, sitting here in this world in sin, I need a Savior. He didn't give me a bunch of rules and regulations that I have to do. He says, hey, come to me, and I'll forgive you. I paid the price. I'm glad that he did that. So he's a God who provides. <clears throat> Mark 4.40 said, he's the disciples. Why are you are afraid? Do you still have no faith? Jesus is not only he's still in the forgiving business, but he's also in the... Um, business of providing for everything else we need. I'm glad he provided for my salvation, but my, it doesn't end there. There's so much more that he wants to do for us. He wants to walk this world with us. He wants to help us through everything that we go through in life. He wants us to, to help us to raise our kids. He wants us to help us to know how to understand our bosses so we can, we can work the way that he wants us to work. There's so much more that God wants us to do. He loved us too much to leave us that way. Sure, he wanted to save us. That was his ultimate purpose in coming. But he didn't want to leave us there. He wanted to have a relationship with us. And the biggest, the heartbreak of God was that when Adam sinned in the garden, it broke that relationship with him. He gave him an avenue for the sin. He says, here, you know, go kill this lamb for what you've done. But see, God wanted the relationship restored. And he knew that relationship was always going to be at edge because 
of that sin that Adam did, and it broke that relationship. And so Jesus didn't just come to die for our sin. He came to have a relationship with us, and that was it. Otherwise, why did he bother to be born a baby? He could have been born a man, lived for three years, lived one day and died, and that had been it. No, he walked the whole life. He wanted us to get to know who he was so we could see God in action. How did God respond to problems? How does God respond to all the issues that we go through every day? How does he respond when somebody betrays you? We wouldn't know if Jesus came and died. He wanted to provide everything for our life, not just for our salvation. He wanted to provide for our life. He says, I want to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. If he just came to die, then our life would be, yeah, our eternity would be set. But what about this life? He says, the kingdom is in us now. He died to, died to bring us to the kingdom. Well, he, when he dwells within us, hey, that's something that the Old Testament didn't have. And Jesus, uh, I mean, you know, in the Garden of Eden, it says that, uh, God walked with Adam in the eve in the cool of the evening. Well, I think at that point it was Jesus in the theophany before he had his regular body that we have. And he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. Well, God wanted that restored. He enjoyed those talks he had with Adam. He enjoyed that time he spent with Adam. And he wanted that restored. restored. So he's a God who provides. Now, there's a story. It's not a true story. So anyway, but it's a kind of interesting story, but I'm going to read it for you this morning. It talks about, the, it's the story is told of a census taker from Rome who went to Galilee around 28 AD, and as he entered the region, he came upon a man sitting on a donkey. The man had long hair and a flowing beard. He wore an old cloak, sandals, and beard, and beads. Pardon me, the census taker said, but I am taking a census of Galilee, and would you mind answering a few questions? Not at all, said the man on the donkey. I believe in rendering unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Well, then, what is your job? I have no job, said the man. Consider the lilies of the field. They toil not, toil not and neither do they spin. Where is your family? I have no family. I left my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters. Uh, mm, said the census taker to himself. No job, no fixed abode. Now do you belong to any clubs? Are you a Mason, or are you an Alpha, Sigma, Kappa, Ida, or Omega? The man said, no. Man could serve two masters at one time. Do you go to school, said the census taker. The man answered and said, no, I don't go to school. For which of us, thought, taking thought, can add one cubit to his statue? Do you have any money or any visible means of support? The man shook his head. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, he said. Are you registered for the military? Not exactly, you see, for I do not do evil for evil, but I overcome evil with good. What is your address? The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but I have nowhere to lay my head. Who are you, my, your, who are your friends? I go among the publicans and sinners. The censor taker wrote down on his sheet, what manner of man is this? Hippie character, school dropout, no permanent address, no job, a draft dodger, pacifist, conscientious objector, associates with the lowest folks in town. What manner of this man is this? But sir, before I go, can I ask you one more thing for the record to be straight? What manner of man are you and what is your name? The bearded man smiled softly, looked around and said, some call me the son of man, some call me the rose of Sharon, some call me al just alpha or omega, but alpha, not, not alpha or omega, but alpha and omega. Some just call me Savior, some call me Lord, but some call me Jesus. Isn't that the way the world looks at Jesus? 
you know, draft dodger, all those other kind of things, because they don't know who he is. See, we need to know who Jesus is, because when we know who Jesus is, it's easier to serve him. It's easier to be a Christian. It's easier to, to do the things that he's asked us to do. Who is Jesus? He's a God who's powerful, personal, patient, and one who will provide. He's a God who stepped out of, out of eternity into time to die on a cross for our sins. He's a God that did everything he could to have a relationship with us. That's who he is. He's not just a man. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just somebody that started a new religion. He's God. And when we understand that, then our whole life is changes. And we, need to, and we can understand that, yeah, he wants us on the other side. He doesn't want us to stay here. He saved us so we could get to the other side. And he wants, he's a God who will be with us in the storm. He'll be a God that's with us in everything that we go through through our daily lives. He wants us on the other side. And ultimately, one day, we're going to be on the other side. And I look forward to that time and the way things are going in this world. It could be any day. <laughs> and I, on one hand, I say, God, let's send a revival to America. Please, please, please. And on the other hand, I'm like, Paul, I want to go home. <laughs> I've had enough. Are you, haven't you? Don't you just feel like that sometimes? But see, when we understand who God is, then we don't have a problem with the storm. We don't have a problem with the things that are here. Because here's the God. He's a God that's all-powerful. And he can do anything that we need. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are a God who's all-powerful and all-patient, and you provide for everything that we need. And, Lord, we're so grateful for that. We're so thankful, Lord, that no matter what the storms of life we go through, you're right there to be with us in the boat. You don't get out of the boat. You don't abandon us, Lord, but you're there for us every step of the way. And I thank you for that. Now, if you're here this morning, maybe you're going through a storm. Maybe you need to realize who God is, who Jesus is. And you're saying, you know, I've been having a problem with a storm in my life, and I haven't really understood who Jesus was and his ability to help me through the storm. If that's you this morning, let me see your hand. Okay. Maybe you're here this morning, you don't know God. So you can't have a relationship with somebody you don't know. Well, he provided a way for you to know him. And that's his ultimate desire is to know you. If that's you this morning, let me see your hand. Okay. That's Our praise Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank, I'm thankful, Lord, that you don't desert us in the storm. You don't desert us when things go wrong, that you're always there for us. And I just pray, Lord, that you'd help each one of us to realize that you're just not an ordinary person, but that you was God and you, and you left time and you, you stepped into time from eternity, Lord, because you loved us. And help us to understand how powerful you are and that you can do anything. And that when we look at our problems, the relationship of who you are, the problems don't seem so bad. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to you and help us to understand that. And help us, Lord, to not only trust you in the storm, but help us, Lord, to trust you, Lord, when the times are good. And don't let us ever walk away from you. And help us, Lord, to be strong. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Tonight, don't call. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to call him all the time. Hey, God, I've got a good thing going on here. Is it okay? Or everything involved, God, in every area of our life. Because then when we hit the storm, it's just second nature to ask God. Say, hey, God, what's going on here? Why don't you help me? Because sometimes when the only time you talk to somebody and you're the one that needs the money, say, man, I haven't talked to them for a year. And I know that they probably could help me. But you feel so uncomfortable calling them, don't you? 
You just feel, oh, man, I ain't calling them because I ain't asking. Anyway, but if you're familiar with that person and you know they love you and you know all these things, hey, it's not a big deal to say, hey, I'm running through a situation. Could you help me? Could you come over and help me do this? Or could you do that? Because it's second nature. It's not a big deal. And we don't need to be uncomfortable about it. Well, God wants us to be that comfortable with him all the time, not only in the bad times, but in the good times. I'm reminded of the story. I know that you've um, read this before, but I'm going to go ahead and read it. The, about the story about footprints. You've probably heard it before, but I'm going to read it anyway. One night a man had a dream. He dreamed he was walking along the beach with the Lord. Across the sky flashed seams from his life. From each scene he noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to him and the other belonging to the Lord. When the last scene of his life flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints in the sand and he noticed that many times along the part of his life there was only one set of footprints. He also noticed that it happened at very, that the very lowest and saddest times in his life. This really bothered him, and he questioned the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. However, I noticed that during the most troublesome time in my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, when I needed you most, you would leave me. The Lord replied, my precious, precious child, I love you and I would never leave you. During your times of trial and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Jesus will, will carry us through the hard times. And when we're going through a storms, we can crawl up in his lap and he will take care of us. But the thing that's most interesting about this poem that we never focus on, we're so focused in the part where Jesus carries us, because, man, we like to be carried, don't we? Have you ever had a little kid that, man, they didn't want to walk, they just wanted to be carried? <laughs> and, man, it gets heavy. But anyway, we like that. So that's where the focus of most people's life is on this story. But we need to focus on the other times in his life when there was two sets of footprints, where Jesus walked with us. And see, that's what God wants to do. He wants to walk with us. He wants to walk through the good times and to be with us and communicate with us and, and all those things that, that he wants to do in our lives. But the problem is in our society today, there's always only one set of footprints because we always want to just be carried. Well, God wants to walk with us. He wants to talk with us. He wants to socialize with us. He wants to share in every area of our life. And that's what God will is for our life. And when we do that, when we're talking back and forth, and Jesus is, is, is our friend, and we're talking together all the time, then when the storms come, we can just run and jump up in his lap or jump up on his shoulders whenever we need to do to, in order to get through that. That's what I want. I want two sets of footprints in my life, and I want two sets of footprints even through the storms. Maybe there's a couple times in the storms I have to climb up in his lap, but a lot of times I want to walk with him and say, no, Lord, you and I, together, we can make it through this. You ever played Red Rover, Red Rover, send somebody right over, you know? Get somebody's got a strong arm, man, they can't break through that. The storms can't bother you. And that's what I want in my life. Let Red Rover, Red Rover send anything over. Because God will be there. He's going to be my arm of strength. I just had to put mine behind his, and he's going to be the one that's going to protect me. And we can make it through the storms. If we keep focused on him, if we keep our faith in him, we don't need to worry. It doesn't matter what the storms is. Let the world, let the storm clouds roll. doesn't matter because God is in control and God is the one that's going to get me through and I can have faith in him and not have to worry about it. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day and I thank you, Lord, that, that you are the God that helps us through the storms and you carry us and you approve of every storm that comes our way because you want us to be strong. You want us to be 
the people, Lord, that you've created us to be. And their storms are the only ways to strengthen us. I know, Lord, you don't like sending the storms. I know that you don't want to, but you know that you have to in order for us to be strong. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us, Lord, to keep focused on you, keep our eyes on you, Lord, and not let the, the storms of life destroy us or discourage us or drain us. Let us get our strength from you, Lord, so we can overcome the storms and get through them and be the person, Lord, that you've created us to be. Because, Lord, we know that that's your will for our life, and we will be complete in you when we do that. In Jesus' name. Now, if you're here this morning,